umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we are going to talk about michigan season opening victory a 51 to 7 thumping of colorado state well clint what are your initial thoughts after the game well, I, I was really impressed with where the defense was to start um, the first and foremost. That's what stood out the most. It, it felt a little bit like 2021, you know, having expectations that the defense would be uh, would be okay, but, but maybe start a little bit slowly. Um, and, and that was just not the case yesterday. I mean, the, the Michigan defense was all over the Colorado State quarterback. Uh, it's seven sacks. Um, 11 tackles for loss and, uh, you know, returned a fumble for a touchdown. So just an amazing, amazing start for the defense. It was really uh, much more balanced, right? Last year was really star-studded on defense with, um, you know, three kind of first-round picks with Aiden Hutchinson and, and Dax Hill and uh, David Ojabo, who likely would have been a first-round pick had he not um, been injured. Uh, in the lead up to the draft. So that kind of star studded defense um, w- was fun to watch, certainly. And then this year, just seeing the waves of guys coming uh, and making plays. The, the secondary rotated, I think, six deep uh, in the first half, and the defensive line was eight or nine deep. Um, and even linebacker, we saw. Uh, pretty even split of snaps distributed between um, Michael Barrett and Khalil Mullings and uh, Junior Colson. So um, Nikai Hill Green being uh, being injured and staying out. So just that was the biggest thing for me uh, in in the aftermath yesterday was just, man, the, the defense looked amazing and and I, I thought it was still relatively high expectations for them, and they just absolutely blew me away. And uh, it was it was great. It was great to see. So what I liked was the balance. So you're looking at the box score, and Michigan came out and scored 10 points in the first quarter, 13 points in the second quarter, 14 points in the third quarter, 14 points in the fourth quarter. So, you know, minor disappointment in the three field goals. But again, first game, and what I liked was even as the personnel shifted, both on offense and defense, you had a steady steady pressure on defense. I mean, really just uh, stifling, really um, strangling Colorado State, right? Uh, there was that one touchdown late, which was inconsequential, but just... You know, there was this thing, um, and you always say the expectation is for the position, not the player. But as players shifted in and out, the pressure maintained really just overall great performance. Coach Harbaugh mentioned that 84 players participated. That's a huge number and definitely something you want to see. You want to see different guys getting in. And there was no letdown. And I think that's you know, in re-watching the game, I think that's was the the best thing that I saw. My takeaway was that 
everybody did their job. Everybody maintained. There was no huge drop off. You know, and, and in past seasons, in these kind of um, non-conference games, you would see, you know, when the second and third string starts getting in, you would see the offense kind of stumble or the defense give up a couple scores. Just the overall effectiveness of everyone um, was was really great to see. Yeah, I think the how clean it looked. Even uh, even Coach Harbaugh mentioned in the post game presser. The openers when you usually get the most. Um, <clears throat> Blown coverages or uh, muffed punts, quarterback center exchange, turnovers, um, and not, I mean, really nothing. I mean, there was one penalty on the offense, no turnovers, um, no communication issues. I mean, uh, no delay of games, uh, both on the headsets of the defense, the offense, special teams. Uh, just a uh, real tip of the cap to the coaches and the players just you know to, to only have one penalty on uh on michigan and really there was only one called on colorado state uh early on a, a hold that was ended up being declined so uh, it was really a clean game for um certainly for week one that really stood out and i i think a little bit if i were to pick something on the uh worrisome side uh, something a little bit concerned about uh, would be the the health on the offensive line. So Ryan Hayes again doesn't start an opener. I uh, wasn't dressed, didn't play at all at left tackle. So your sixth offensive lineman was in there, Carson Barnhart. The staff has a lot of of trust, obviously, in Barnhart. Played a lot in the COVID season in 2020, and then was also um, was in there a lot last year at guard. Um, when when Michigan was battling some injuries, so really a lot of experience in this top six guys. But with uh, Ryan Hayes out, Barnhart gets the start, and in the first quarter, I think he uh, ends up rolling his ankle, and um, you know hobbles off the field. And there was a little bit of um, discontinuity, I would say, up front where where there were some issues. Uh, nothing that was awful, of course. You know the balance that you talked about. Um, you know, scoring you know two or three times in every quarter was was still obviously the truth. But you could see that they were a little bit out of sync up front on the offensive line, especially once uh, once Barnhart went out and Keegan bumped out to tackle, and Geo um, Geo came in at left guard. So it's it's a little bit of a concern. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what that looks like in a few weeks. I, I'm sure you'll be back to full strength, you know, um, you know, God willing. Well, the complication introduced by Barnhart injuring himself is that he was the next lineman in for pretty much every position. You know, he was the universal backup when you were looking at the depth chart. And again, you mentioned his previous experience. Coaches were uh, very high on him. And actually, I was almost surprised that he didn't break into the starting lineup, right? So I don't think there was a a large step down. But when he was hurt, you know, him being the super sub at line, you saw that there there was a little bit of disruption. And again, I think that played into the the stalls on those field goals, right? So the other thing that that's great is that after the high of last season and 
just the amazing performance by the offense and the defense all the way around how high our expectations are this year, right? This was the first game of the year, and I felt like I was nitpicking, but it was great to be nitpicking at the level that I was looking at, right? I mean, 51 points, right? 51 to 7. You only have to look down the road at, at you know, the Spartans' performance versus Western, and very much uh, happier with our performance. Great to see so many guys getting in. And again, great to see so many people performing. Um, you know, the interesting thing for me was, you know, as I think, you know, shared by many, is that as the, uh, you know, okay, and, and we'll, t- we'll address the elephant in the room, right? The, the quarterback uh, rotation. Cade did not have a super great day, but Michigan still scored 51 points, right? And it's interesting that, and I think this comes back to our expectations. I mean, you could go back, you know, a few years, and, uh, you know, if the quarterback, the starting quarterback didn't have a great day, Michigan wasn't scoring 51 points no matter who you were playing. So I really think we're seeing an evolution of, the defense and the evolution of an offense and just how loaded Michigan is at the skilled positions right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and really there's room to grow. Like, like you said, uh, Cade was not, it wasn't his sharpest performance. I, I don't think that he was bad by any stretch of the imagination, but um, was not as accurate as we've, we've gotten used to seeing Cade throw the ball. And, uh, you know, Ronnie Bell had a, a drop that was really uncharacteristic over on the far sideline on a little comeback route. He had some space to run and create. You know, I think that would have helped. Um, and I just I, – there's still so many more guys to get involved on offense. You know, we saw Roman Wilson really show his speed on that uh, kind of swing pass or little uh, little arrow pass where he had space. Um the rest of the wide receivers are still great blockers and he uh, he raised 61 yards for that initial touchdown you know but we didn't get to see anything really downfield uh Cornelius Johnson um Darius Clemens uh Andrell Anthony you know those guys still we, we know what they're capable of and we just didn't see it yesterday it didn't didn't need it of course right so not only was it really really great to see and and encouraging to see the success we know that there's more there. We know that um, we, there's another gear still to hit on this offense. So it's, uh, it's, it's exciting to see, and we'll see how the, the season unfolds and evolves. Um, but it, it was really everything that we wanted um, to experience and, and any question marks I think that were out there really got answered. And, and even in the quarterback battle, um, I don't think that it's as crazy as, as what some in the media are making it sound. You know, it was, it, it, it wasn't Cade's best day. So of course he was, uh, he was not, you know, throwing a, throwing a party in, in the post game press conference. So um, I, I think they made a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill there. I think he was disappointed with his performance and we'll see how, you know, how things turn around in the next game. One of the things I'm looking at, and again, I, I keep pointing to the balance, right? Like, Corum ended up with 76 yards on the ground. Edwards ended up with 64. McCarthy, JJ, ended up with 50. Stokes ended up with 35, right? So, 
you know, one of the things we were wondering is, well, what was going to happen with Haskins being gone, right? It seems like that Corum and Edwards, and again, only one game, but it really seems like they're that one-two punch. Um, you know, you had uh, made the point that you thought Corum may end up running between the tackles more. Um, you know, he did, he has put on 10 or 11 pounds, but again, he, he looked like he was in midseason form. And, you know, when you look at the receivers, for how deep that room is, no receiver had more than two receptions, right? You know, two receptions, two receptions, two receptions, one, 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 all the way down. And again, not a day that you really had to throw the ball around. But when you're scrutinizing the quarterbacks, one of the things we are going to be looking at is, you know, how do they, uh, you know, how do they deploy the playbook? So, again, to score 51 points and kind of look at the stats and really nobody really jumped off the page. Um, you know, and again, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, uh, focusing on J.J., you know, four for four and with the long run. But really, there, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, a, a systematic dismantling of, uh, of an opponent, right? And it's what you want to see in the first game. It's what you want to see from, you know, again, we've talked about this, you know, a lot in the preseason with Josh Gaddis being gone and uh, Mike McDonald being gone. You, you have new guys leading the offense and defense. And it seems like, uh, you know, one game in, we're doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. That was the, that was the thing was new leadership. Uh, with both units, we knew the talent was there, but they played so clean and, and things appeared so smooth that it, it was hard not to be even impressed, even above what I expected to see. So still plenty of room to grow, but I, I thought that it looked like um, looked like they didn't miss a beat. You know, they looked like uh, just as good as they had been uh, in the middle and late uh, stages of last season. And uh, we know that there's still another gear to hit, especially as guys get uh, fully healthy and you start using more of your downfield threats on the outside on offense. We know that we're going to see Donovan Edwards in the passing game more. We didn't see that yesterday. So there's still so many, so many levels and, and, and weapons that can be deployed uh, on that offense. And then the, the defense it felt like there was 50 guys on the field. It, everybody was contributing. It was um, it was really a sight to behold. You know, and you mentioned you had three top talent guys leave this defense. And yesterday, you couldn't tell. Now, again, first game. But what struck me watching this game was this is the kind of game I would have liked to have seen right before you start the Big Ten season, right? Like, this is how you want to see the team, you know, firing on all cylinders, you know, everything coming together. Um, so, again, great performance, great day at the big house, a little hot, but sunshine, great day, great to see um, Michigan football after after the long summer and the, uh, you know, I think the, um, the pent-up anticipation of what this team is is capable of doing with so many weapons returning. Now, um, turning to, as you mentioned, some of the uh, some of the drama, right? The you know 
who so Clint, what would you have liked to have seen from from Cade to lock this job up? In our estimation, I mean, you know, usually I uh, I punt this to the coaches, right? Like I figure mm-hmm. the coaches see these guys in in practice every day, and whatever decision they make is is the right decision. Well, here we kind of have Coach Harbaugh saying, you know, a week or two ago when he announced this, well. We're just going to put it out there and see how they perform, and it'll be obvious to everybody. So, um, you know, how would you evaluate how the quarterbacks perform? Well, I, again, I think Harbaugh laid it out pretty clearly when he made the announcement that both guys were going to get a start in the first two weeks of the season. He mentioned on uh, John Jansen's podcast that um, when it comes to uh, – managing the offense, making the decisions, uh, directing traffic, communicating, kind of the field general role uh, of a quarterback that Cade had, uh, had a little bit of an advantage. And when it came to the, the parts of being a quarterback that were uh, physical and, and playmaking ability and creating with your legs, I think the, the phrase was uh, turning water into wine which is a kind of an interesting phrase to pick. Um, the JJ is the more physically gifted uh, quarterback of the two and that he had an edge there. And then that we would see, you know, um, that we'd see how, how it turned out. So we knew for sure that Cade was closer to his ceiling um, at this point in his development. I think that that's kind of a given for, for everybody. And that physically, Cade was still he still had some improvement to make. Obviously, he's you know only in his uh, third or fourth is it his third year in the program. It's tough to remember with the COVID year and and eligibility. But I think he was nineteen, twenty, twenty. This is his fourth year in the program. You know, coming off of his third year in the program, I think that there was still a lot to improve on, and and all signs pointed to him having a really great fall camp. Right. Oh, yeah. And not only all the signs, but Coach Harbaugh said that he perhaps was the most improved player in camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, so so I think that's what I struggle with is I feel like we're getting mixed signals here. Like like, well, Cade had a great camp and he's awesome. Right. And then at one point, uh, Coach Harbaugh said, well, you know, we do let people into practice ask them what they think, right? And the Big Ten came in, and some of their announcers said, wow, Cade was flinging the ball around, and it never even hit the ground, right? So, so again, here we are now. Mm-hmm. And But what we saw yesterday, Cade just wasn't, um, wasn't as sharp as he has been. Now, the, I think the mistake that, that some are making is that they're evaluating Cade as if yesterday was the first time that we've seen him play quarterback, right? And, and it's not true yesterday was not his best game wasn't his worst game you know but obviously in the midst of a of a highly publicized dramatic quarterback battle you, as a competitor you want to go out there and put your best foot forward and, and that wasn't his best foot I mean the first throw that we saw yesterday Cade's kind of on the move uh moving to his right and and throws a ball out to Cornelius Johnson and there's not enough on it. It's a little bit low and Johnson drops it. Now, if he would have caught it, 
he probably gets tackled right on the spot because he was kind of squatted down like a catcher to try to pick it up off of his, his shin. So that one came off funny. Then there was uh, he missed Cornelius Johnson again on a, kind of a, a crossing route or maybe a little out route down in the red zone. And then there was the play that originally was called an interception, and then they, they reversed it after review. Eric Hall stumbles clearly and isn't in the uh, in the spot that he you know should have been. So um, it was just a rough start, I thought, for Cade throwing the ball physically. But he settled in and did fine after that. But then J.J., when J.J. got in, of course he's running the – J.J. McCarthy package, right? The read option and some of the pass uh, counters off of that are, are much more simple reads. You know, it, it, it was built to kind of accentuate J.J.'s athleticism on the run, and um, he executed well, right? But that's not the whole package for when J.J. is going to be a starter. That's J.J. as a – that's an offensive package – for JJ when Cade is the starter. That's what he did yesterday. When JJ is the starter next week, he's going to have to do a lot more of the stuff that Cade was asked to do uh, yesterday against Colorado State. So it's a whole different evaluation. So it's oversimplified to point at JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy's great game yesterday, and he did have a great game um, for, you know, for the 20 snaps that he was on the field and and point at Cade who had a less than you know less than stellar performance and say anything other than I think JJ uh, has really closed the gap um, from what we've seen and it is you know if it is truly neck and neck then Cade's gonna have to have a really good game uh, this coming Saturday to try to pull back even because there, there was a, a different feeling when the ball came out of JJ's hand on some of his passes, but he was running a sub package of the offense. He wasn't running the offense as the guy. So we'll see how that evolves. Um, but it really sounded doom and gloom after the game with, with headlines, both nationally and locally as if, uh, you know, Cade is 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 being tortured and raked through the coals here on this quarterback competition. And to me, what we saw and what we heard from Cade McNamara was a guy who was disappointed in his own performance. You know, he, he knows that he can play better than that. And he answered the questions that were given to him, all of which were trying to make a, a bigger deal out of the decision by Jim Harbaugh to, to continue the, the quarterback competition. So Yeah, I would definitely say it's pretty unusual. Um, um, it was kind of a thing that I wasn't expecting by the end of camp. Um, you know, I thought I had my best camp. I thought I um, put myself in a good position. Um, and that was just a decision that coach went with. Has the last few days been like for you in handling I mean, it's been fine. I think, you know, this is sort of something that I've been dealing with, you know, what, whatever part it was in my career, um, whether it was before I played, you know, with Joe, whether it was, you know, finally going in, whether it was last season and now it's this season. I think, you know, at this point, I have a callus made on how to deal with these things. I, 
I'm not really buying into the, the real craziness yet. And uh, I am interested to see what the game plan looks like with JJ as the starter. And I'm also interested to see how Cade bounces back, right? It's going to be a different role for him, much closer to what he was doing in 2020 when he came off the bench, took over from Joe Milton and was like, uh, you know, it was like the house on fire. He was slinging the ball over the place and people couldn't wait to, to have Cade McNamara when he was the, the backup quarterback coming in. So we know that's the most popular guy in Ann Arbor is the backup quarterback. So maybe maybe it'll be a, an easier week to be Cade McNamara this week. So what I laugh at is I'm looking at the stats, right? And J.J. was 4 for 4, 30 yards. His long pass was 15 yards. Okay, Cade was 9 for 18, 136 yards, one touchdown, and a long of 61, right? Alan Bowman was 5 for 6, 40 yards, long of 16. Where is the contingent calling for him? But apparently that'll be in the future. You know, you made a great point about J.J. running a very specialized slice of the playbook. And Matt Weiss talked about that. Yeah, I think the philosophy here, you know, and Sharon would tell you the same thing, and I think Jim would tell you the same thing. We'll do, we'll, we will win by any means necessary. So, so the best players are going to play. The best quarterback is going to play. It's true at any position. But then if there's something that we can do, if somebody adds an element that, that we don't have, just like we were talking about with, with Kalel, we're going to use that person. So like you, we can go back to last year now that's over and really kind of explain what we were doing with that. But uh, we, we had the first thing you had is your backup quarterback had never taken a snap in college football, right? And certainly you don't want to be in a, you don't know when you're going to need them. You don't want to be in a position where the first time you need them is on the road in a close game against a ranked opponent and the guy's never taken a snap. You know that you can look through college football and you've seen, you can see that that happened to a Big Ten team last year. So the first thing is we need to get them on the field, get them experience to develop our backup, right? Because that's the only way to do that, okay? And then the other thing we did, we used them on a lot of, uh, you know, quarterback runs, certainly through the ball effectively also. But what that did for him is it, is it controlled the defense, right? If you're running a lot of quarterback runs, they're not going to be running, you know, four to a side blitzes and showing them all different types of coverages. Like they're going to make sure they have everything gapped out and they're going to be more static. So that, that made things easier for him, right? He didn't have to go out on, you know, third and 15, some crazy blitz coming and, and figure that out. We're able to control uh, when he was in the game and uh, what he was doing and, uh, and help him have success, right? So he could build on that success. So we were able to develop our backup. But then at the same time, he was able to do things athletically that, that helped us, right? He helped us win games. And to his credit, um, you know, he earned the opportunity to go out there and do that. And he helped us, he helped us win, win games and he was really effective. And, He's a really good player, and he's going to be—he's going to be really good. So, you know, we're excited about him in his future. And I mean, it's hard to see, you know, him being anything but really, really good at the University of Michigan uh, whenever his time comes. So, uh, we're just going to continue to develop him, and uh, you know, he'll be—he'll be playing for us at some point. And what was interesting about it is, I—I I got the impression that it was almost making an excuse, right? Like prepping us for, hey, listen, if Cade's the quarterback, understand that J.J. looked good because he was used in very isolated cases, right? And, um, you know, then this announcement comes that it's split between the two. So it, it's interesting. I don't think, 
you know, uh, having having been in the room when Cade gave his answers to the media, which, as you mentioned, um, lit a firestorm uh, across the the interwebs of people writing articles and quoting what he said. You know, his body language was really poor. You could tell he wasn't happy. Now, you and I have talked about, well, listen, it's hard, it's hard to be happy when you didn't have a really good performance. Um, what I was surprised by is that over the last year and a half of Cade being the starter, he's been really good at being... The, the word I would use is the face man, right? Like he's the quarterback. He has the very, he has the voice. He has the stature. He gives the, the correct answers. So I think what I took from the post-game press conference is that you were getting a little less of the script and a little more of him answering uh, honestly. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I think that, um, you know, I, you know, it's funny because Coach Harbaugh made a crack earlier in the week about, you know, uh, the media gets upset when people, when coaches talk in cliches, but then when people are honest, they get upset too, right? Which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's just specific for for this team and, and, and where these, you know, these these uh, two players are, are playing. I mean, they are, and if you're, you know, the question is speculating. No, there's no other intent or, or motive other than, what's good for our our football team but it's 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 i understand it i understand you know the landscape of here's the landscape i do understand is that you know if a coach coach gets up gets up here and gives you the normal cliches then um then you 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 seem very offended as journalists um (laughs) but also when a coach you know, a person, you know, gives you really well thought out, you know, in-depth, honest, you know, tells you the, 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 the truth of where, they, where things stand. There's a tendency to question motive or question intent. So uh, I understand that. I'm going to keep doing it the way I've you know, been doing it, which is speak, to, speak the absolute truth as I know it and believe it to be. I think Cade was being honest, right? And I, I don't think that's a there's a problem with that. But, you know, this team has talked about repeatedly that iron sharpens iron, right? There are no positions that are locked in. You know, we were talking about the defense. Look what a guy like Michael Barrett has been through, right? Um, he was in position to be the Viper in Don Brown's defense, you know, one of the featured positions. Mike McDonald comes in, and he's kind of a guy cut loose. He he doesn't have a he doesn't have a defined position, and you know he came back and he's worked his way back into the into the starting, you know. And you made a great point talking about how he actually was featured more toward the end of last season in certain uh, situations. But what I'm saying is is that he didn't quit and transfer. He didn't an- he didn't enter the portal right. So you have pretty much every position on the field being open for competition. I don't have a problem with the quarterback position being open for that kind of competition. Um, I think that, um, you know, like you said, Cade's going to get a chance to come in after J.J. in this next game. 
hey, if you're the starter, if you're the man, you're going to have to show it again. And I think that from a competitive standpoint, you got to prove it every day, right? You got to prove it in every practice. And I think that, um, you know, we're like you said, you, you know, Clint, you, you talked about, hey, listen, JJ's going to have to come in and make better decisions. Like, do you want to talk about that or show that he can he can make complex decisions in places? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so what what we want to see is who has who's moved the needle where they were behind in the quarterback competition. So we want to see Cade McNamara taking some more risks and making some tougher throws, especially uh, over the middle and down the field. And we want to see J.J. McCarthy uh, really directing traffic, making really sharp pre-snap reads and post-snap reads and post-snap uh, decisions. And we didn't have to see that yesterday. J.J. wasn't asked to stand in the pocket and make really tough reads across the middle of the field where you're reading coverages and, and then making a throw. Most of what J.J. Uh, was was implementing was all built off of that uh, read option specialized package that, uh, that he's become pretty good at. So I'm sure that's still going to be a, a big chunk of what we see from J.J. on on Saturday against Hawaii, but on, you know, on passing downs on third and 10 and third and 15, whatever it is, uh, when he's got to push the ball down the field, we know physically what he's capable of. We have to see whether he has kind of raised the floor on making more complicated decisions and reads in a quick manner. And, and we'll know it based on the timing of the ball coming out of his hand. I know that he can make the decisions and make the right decision. Can he do it quickly enough that the ball comes out on time that your offense stays in rhythm? That's that's really what you're looking at from J.J. If he has raised his mental game to be equal to Cade McNamara, then it's going to be tough to keep J.J. McCarthy off the field because physically he's you know he's a notch above what uh, what Cade has um, in terms of mobility. And and arm strength, just zip coming off of off of you know the, when the ball comes off of his hand. So um, right now, Cade's advantage is mental, and maybe a little bit uh, leadership or psychological. And if JJ has closed the gap there, then it's going to be tough to keep him off the field. But we haven't seen it yet, right? What we saw JJ do on Saturday against Colorado State was implement the package that he was used in last year we still have to evaluate him in that starter's role in this coming game against Hawaii. And then we'll see what Jim Harbaugh and the staff choose to do when um, in the third non-conference game against UConn. What I'm struggling with is when I look at the makeup of this team, when I look at the depth at wide receiver, when I look at what we're seeing from Corin and Edwards and what we're anticipating to continue seeing from them, when we look at how deep we are at tight end, I'm trying to, and again, I, you know, I always do this. I take the names off of them, right? What do I need in a quarterback? I feel like I need a quarterback who can distribute the ball and occasionally run, right? So there's no doubt that JJ is electric when he runs. Um, you know, Denard Robinson was amazing when he ran. 
he struggled in the running game. Okay. I think JJ has the arm. The question is, can he run the full playbook? Okay. And that's what, you know, I was, I was sitting down and trying to grade, you know, the quarterbacks and I'm like, we're seeing such a small slice of the playbook. Okay. Cade is money in the bank. Okay. I got 14 games that I can go back and I'll say, eh, I know from watching the previous 14 games that what we saw in the season opener was an aberration from him, an outlier, because we know we can run the offense, right? So the question is, listen, if J.J. takes off five times a game, okay, they're going to catch him. They're going to wear him down. We saw that happen to Denard, and Denard was an electric athlete. Okay, so my question is for I guess the question that I have for JJ is, can you choose not to run and open up the rest of the playbook to take advantage of these tools you're surrounded in? And that's my question. And, you know, it's you can't really judge him from what we saw on uh, you know in the opener. I know he can run. Okay, I got that. Um, and like you said, he can zip the ball. Um, but again, you know, 30 yards in passing, right? Um, everybody's deadly 10 to 15 yards, you know, can you go downfield? And like, you know, you mentioned there really weren't the play calls to see that. I I think so. So here's what I want to see. Okay. I want to see JJ come in and for a quarter, at least not run. I want to see him distribute the ball among the wide receivers I want to see him, uh, you know, threaten to run, you know, you know, with the handoff to, you know, so that they have to honor him. But I want to see him, you know, ring up a couple uh, scoring drives, touchdown drives, passing. That's what I want to see. Okay. I want to see him uh, have the um, wherewithal to not run. Okay. To say, listen, I need to work this playbook and and again i know he can run and and again you know i kind of felt like you know we okay again coming back to you didn't even you didn't have to run to beat colorado state okay um you know save that for when you really need it save that for when you really need to risk your body right um for the time that it's really necessary so you know nine times out of ten you're going to need to distribute the ball some other place and I know Cade can do that. So I, I'm trying to be, you know, I, I feel like Cade's money in the bank and JJ is a stock. Okay. And he's a tech stock and he might, he might zoom up, but you know, uh, tech stocks go up and down. And I guess that's the, uh, the quandary I find myself when I'm trying to watch him. There's no doubt he's an electric player, but you know, I, I think back to the big 10 championship game where He's running downfield and blocking. And I'm like, dude, I don't need my quarterback to do that. I do not need you to risk yourself like that. And listen, it was an amazing play. And I love to go back and watch the clip. But part of, uh, you know, and again, game manager gets a bad rep, right? Listen, I need you to be a game manager. I need you to know when you need to risk like that. So that that's that's the struggle that I have is just, um, you know, watching both of these guys and, and, you know, the other interesting thing that came out 
that Cade mentioned in the uh, post-game press conference. Cade, just follow up that going forward, how do you think this can and will play out? Can it, can it work with the two of you, do you think? I think, um, I think Coach mentioned that he wanted to, you know, he doesn't really want to do the switching this year. So I think, you know, however it shakes out, that's just how it's going to be. A week ago, Harbaugh was asked in the press conference. How long are you willing to take the process? Do you have a, a, maybe a little bit of a timetable in your head when you'd like to settle this? You, you just don't know. I mean, one of the biggest factors will be, I mean, uh, probably if it's, if it's exactly it is right now, today, um, coming out of just out of practice and it continues to be like that in the games, then, yeah, that'll be up to us as coaches to, to uh, be able to utilize both both players, um, you know, what they what they bring to our football team, you know, for the best of the football team. I mean, that's that's where it stands today. So you can see play both of them like you did last year, having you know one's a starter and one comes in a lot like like JJ did last year. Oh, that's ab- absolutely a possibility. And then Kate mentions, well, coach has kind of said that he doesn't want to switch off anymore, and that's the first I heard that right. So for me, that raises the stakes that, you know, whoever wins this, if, if there is a separation, um, they're going to be the guy. Yeah, I, I, I caught that too. I caught that too. And, and as you've heard me say a lot, you know, recently in our conversations, I, when I hear it from Harbaugh, I'll certainly believe it. You know, I, I have yet to feel misled by, by Jim Harbaugh. So if he says – He's trying to avoid uh, playing both quarterbacks in a single game. Then I'll believe it. But I, I haven't heard it from him yet. So um, I still, you know, I, I still think that it's going to be a, a, a stronger version of what we saw last year, where Cade is the starter and plays, you know, a majority of the snaps. But I think that majority shrinks. I think we will see. JJ move towards getting closer to 50% of the snaps at quarterback in games that are not blowouts. And um, I think that's a good thing. I think both of those guys bring unique skills. And I think this offensive staff is probably creative enough to really maximize um, the two, uh, a two quarterback system and, and, and make the best out of it. But there are costs or risks to that. And I think you're, your point about JJ being more of a running quarterback is a concern. And, and I think he also needs to show some progression um, and maturity on just kind of getting down, right? Like, like implementing the baseball slide when he's gotten what, what's there, stepping out of bounds and not taking unnecessary hits. Um, that's a big deal. You know, we, we saw Dylan McCaffrey's uh, tenure kind of get derailed by taking unnecessary hits, uh, one of which he was sliding and he got, got smoked against Wisconsin, so it's not really his fault. But, you know, the season um, where, where uh, <clears throat> we saw Denard Robinson go down and he got injured uh, in Lincoln against Nebraska, that season became uh, all of a sudden very tenuous, you know, so – Injury risk for a running quarterback is a whole other thing to manage, and we still don't see J.J. Uh, managing that risk um, 
So it's not going to be just four or five carries in a game. Oh, he's a little bit reckless, but it's only four or five carries. If he's playing all 65 or 70 offensive snaps in a game and maybe 10 or 11 of them are run plays, then he needs to do a better job of managing those unnecessary hits and uh, just taking what's there and getting down and avoiding uh, the, the wear and tear on his body. I like them both, really. I want them both to be successful. But what I'm seeing with J.J. right now is kind of a two-dimensional um, approach to the offense. Oh, I'm going to pull the ball down, and I only have to worry what's about what's in front of me in the next 5 to 10 yards, right? Um, when you go to three dimensions and you're looking at where you can put the ball, that's how you can open up the offense and, and really chunk yardage downfield, right? So I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying we haven't seen it yet. And like I said, that's why I'd love to see, you know, Coach Harbaugh said, well, you know, each guy needs to bring what they bring to the position. I don't want J.J. to bring running for a quarter or two next week. I want him to show me that he can run the offense. And, heck, you know, we saw last year as great as Blake looked at running back, he got hurt, and Haskins plugged in, right? You want to have two great quarterbacks, you know, in a perfect world. And if there's a way to manage this, um, you know, that would be great. Coach said he doesn't feel that he has to manage it. Um, when Kay was asked about the situation, he didn't seem happy, he seemed disappointed. How do you manage him and that situation in terms of keeping their spirits up that they both have a shot? Um, I don't feel like I have to manage it. It's just uh, they're both tremendous competitors, and uh, you know the. Uh, I mean, both both are warriors. I, mean, I don't I don't feel like I gotta manage anything. I just gotta let them let them go out there and compete and uh, and do what they do. I will say that this is the most interesting drama that I can remember from the from early season games in a very long time right? Normally you're kind of ho-humming through the non-conference unless you have a really big name opponent. And, you know, I will say this, uh, I am entertained and they do have my attention. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned that in our, in our preseason conversation as well, is that this was clearly intentional by Jim Harbaugh. If this is not the norm, he's doing something unique by naming a starter for one game and the other guy starting the second game. Um, there may be many reasons that he chose to do this. It's all speculation for us, but what he is doing is certainly bringing some heat and pressure onto those guys to where they have to perform under pressure in games that they're winning by 40 points, you know, and that's, that may be part of the reason that he wanted these guys to be competing um, with a little bit more spotlight on them than, uh, you know, easy blowout victories would bring. Um, that's certainly why you would put J.J. in for a start as opposed to, okay, you can play the second half once we're up 30-0, to zero, right? That's a different evaluation scenario. So there are, there are pros to what Harbaugh's doing, but there's, you know, the, the added drama and stress that it's causing um, isn't necessarily ideal. So hopefully... Uh, hopefully it works out. Hopefully, you know, they're uh, they're seeing what they want to see. Again, my my theory or my hypothesis is that it ends up 
basically the same as last year with Cade being the first uh, first quarterback or the main quarterback, but JJ gaining kind of a, a more snaps in every game. And you know, my theory, you know, took a hit yesterday, right? I think JJ had a better day in general yesterday. Yeah, I thought he was. Um, thought he was really good. He had a couple of balls um, that were dropped, uh, but just you know, very good doing uh, doing uh, you know, executing. As I said, no, I mean no issues. You gotta you gotta credit give credit to the quarterback as well when when that's taking place on offense. Um, move the football, score points, um, and. Uh, Thought he had a had a really good game. Jim, the uh, the quarterback rotation today did that go about as you had planned it to go? One snap in the first half, then JJ took over, and will it be about the same next week? Um, you know, JJ starting next week, so it'll be different that in that in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, things were I thought things were operating really smooth in the first half, um, and. You know, just finally said, hey, "Let's get JJ in there." You know, and uh, and uh, and he get in, and he was he was electric when he got in. Uh, you know, no question about that. And thought that he um, he also went through his reads very well. I mean, it was, uh, it was great to see him. Uh, uh, just probably real super calm, cool, collected. You know, I think um, has been been conveying. I mean, he's he's greatly. Uh, He's doing a great job too, you know, and and really really improved a lot, um, as you would expect from going from your freshman year to your sophomore year. I think we can all agree. I mean, the the way the way we're doing this, I mean, we're we got a lot more information uh, after two weeks than we would have had two weeks ago, and so. I would say that. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. I think it's slowing down. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, you know, really good players have that that ability to do that. You know, I mean, they're they're feeding off a a, a real adrenaline there. Um, and but the things slow down around them. Game slows down around them. I, yeah, but that's what I would I would point to. I mean, kind of just calmly going through your reads and. You know, taking the looking for the the downfield throw, but you know you're not going to fight the dropping defenders and check it down. Uh, he did that a couple times very effectively today. On that pass to the running back. Yeah, the one to Bredesen, the one to the to the running back. And Cade has some work to do to to pull back even or pull back ahead, but it's certainly not over. And Cade McNamara is is very capable. Of, of reminding everybody why he was the guy last year and why I think he's he's still going to be the guy this year. All right. Well, we will reconvene after the game and check where our thoughts are. And, uh, again, it is making these early games very interesting. Do you have any final thoughts, Clint? No, it was great to see you. Great to see the rest of the guys. It's great to be in Ann Arbor. The, the the city 
uh, really looked beautiful. It was fun driving into town, seeing uh, seeing all the people. It's just uh, it's kind of chicken soup for the soul this time of year, with a lot of other craziness going on. Um, I was uh, you know kind of smiling all the way down and uh, deep in my heart yesterday. So it was it was a good day, great day to be a Michigan Wolverine yesterday. Definitely agreed. It was it's always great to get back to the stadium and. You know, I always wonder, you know, after every season, I wonder if I'm going to be as excited walking in, and I am. And, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. I went up to the photo deck, and I was, you know, I always snapped that initial picture of showing the entire stadium to tweet out. And, you know, you're there. And what I like about the photo deck is there's no windows. You're just, you're in the open air, right? And, uh I was talking to one of the other uh, um, Brad from Maze and Blue Nation, and I was like, "God, this is amazing, isn't it?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's like you, there's nothing like it." And uh, I definitely, like I said, it it passed the test for me. Yes, I'm just as excited as as in past years, and love Michigan football. Um, Want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast on however you get your podcast. Also. Check umgoblue.com. We have plenty of game photos, stats. Um, we have a lot of transcripts from the previous media availabilities. Everything you need to follow. And uh, again, follow us on Twitter. Uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.